You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to a new episode of the Atlantic Division Mixtape. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Don't forget to check us out at Nets Daily, Celtics Blog. Uh, we're going to have you covered for, I want to say, so far, the best division in the NBA. I don't know if I'm confident in saying that because, I mean, you look at the fact that four of the five teams are in, not play in, but playoff positions uh, from the Atlantic Obviously, you got got big fan bases, so we're going to jump into kind of the latest happenings with that. Sorry we haven't been around the last few weeks. Promise you, though, from now on, we'll be doing this every Friday. Joining me, as he always does, uh, he covers the Nets for our sister site at SB Nation Nets Daily. Also does some work for SI as well. Mr. Chris Milholland. Chris, first off, Happy New Year. We haven't talked since since the uh Happy the New calendar. Year, brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah the calendar. New Year, same pod. Over. Yeah, New Year, same pod and same shitty ass people. I guess that's what we're gonna go. We're gonna go with. But uh, <laughs> that's my detrimental Canadian humor, by the way. But uh, uh, looking at this right now, let's jump right into it. The Nets, the team that you cover, you're all over them. Yep. Go to a lot of practices. Go to a lot of home games. Uh, came up short in their game last night against the Celtics, who are the best team, really, if you look at it in, in the entirety of the Eastern Conference and in the NBA, at 31 and 12 now. Uh, Obviously, no Kevin Durant in the lineup. We're expected that he's going to be back in roughly a month, uh, close to the deadline. The Nets really hung around with the Celtics throughout yesterday. I caught a bit of the game. It was it was close. It was a two-point lead for Boston going into the, the final quarter. Uh, Celtics ended up really putting the clamps down and, and outscoring Brooklyn 25-16 to 16 in the fourth to get a 109-98 win. Uh, you're looking at this net squad, and we'll, we'll jump into some Boston talk here in a minute. You're looking at this net squad, though. Um, no KD, as I mentioned, for a month. The guy was averaging just under 30 points a game. Uh, he's been phenomenal throughout the season. But you're looking at this now, and in the upcoming schedule, they got a West Coast road trip. Um, Going to take on teams like Golden State, teams like Phoenix, teams like the Sixers. Um, you know, tough matchups coming up. How do you think they're going to hold up without KD in the lineup for, for like I said, about another four weeks here? You know, it's so hard to tell, right? Because like when we when we were like talking about it after the injury and um, when the injury occurred, and like obviously when you see those type of injuries, you just have to wait to see what the MRI scan reveals, right? Whether it's as detrimental as you know can't get any worse from a torn MCL or ACL to as something minor as a hyperextended knee, and that's not even that's not even you could cl- classify it as minor because that usually sidelines you from three to four weeks, right? So. Uh, when the MRI results came out on the Monday, it revealed that it was an isolated MCL sprain, which is the same injury that the net that Kevin had last year with Brooklyn, right? And when you look at that stretch where the Nets had it last year, that was kind of the beginning of the downfall for the Nets whole season last year, right? Because they mm-hmm. went on a huge slump in the 15 games or in the games that he missed. I think it was 11 game losing streak. That's when the ripple effects of Harden wanting out started to begin. Obviously, at Kyrie Irving's vaccine. Um, obviously he, he couldn't, uh, play in a lot of the games on the road. It was only, you know, I mean, at home, he could only play on road games, which was very few out of that own stretch. 
and you know less than a month later boom hardens out you know kevin's um obviously sidelined still so this time around you know it's a lot different because the nets that it's a kind of a byproduct of the Nets did this offseason bringing in guys like tj warren yuda watanabe right so they can uh, help lift up the scoring punch you saw that yesterday from tj warren who delivered 20 points off the bench uh that was his second 20 point game of the year but you know, this year, you know, I think I think they'll be able to kind of nurse the absence well. Obviously, you can't replace Kevin Durant's production from a sol- from a single player. It would have to be a collective, and you can't even kind of rebound from that, right? It's kind of how can you just piece together the pieces and kind of stay afloat and survive through this stretch, right? And obviously, mm-hmm. there was no bigger test for them to start off against the well, other than the Boston Celtics, right? So, um. You know, uh, the the game, it kind of replicated. It was the same similar theme that ha- what happened when these teams, teams met in December. Their Nets entered the fourth. I think it was down by two or up by two. And then Boston put on the clamps. They started to pull away, and Brooklyn could never just get their feet underneath them. And Kyrie Irving, you could tell that he felt a little more pressure to take a lot of the shots in the fourth. And obviously, you know, it's a make or miss league, and it, it, that game went on the Nets' miss side. So sum it all up, you know, with Brooklyn, like, if, as long as they can stay afloat, I think these up these next kind of two games are coming up with the um, the Thunder on Sunday and the Spurs in the midway point of next week. Those are big games because they they have to win those because if they lose those, then they'll be in some problems um, because the the rest of the stretch ahead is pretty tough. Yeah, and then and again, you know, the you have Kyrie, so you have kind of a go to scorer still. Um, Seth Curry working his way back into. I I think he can still have play at another level than than where he's at. Um, right now he's only, you know, played in 29 games so far this season, averaging nine points, uh, not particularly, uh, shooting the rock well from the field, but from the three point line, uh, what we're accustomed to seeing from Seth, which is 42.4%. So again, they're going to have, they have enough talent to maybe stay afloat. Are they going to be able to stay in a playoff position necessarily in the top six? I think that might be tough considering the fact that, uh, only about a four and a half game. Although, I mean, we'll stick with some Brooklyn top Chris, uh, but I want to ask yeah. you this looking at like the, the teams, like other than what may and Miami, obviously we know has really struggled, although they beat, beat the bucks on Thursday night. Um, nobody really I'm scared of that's going to catch Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Because you got Indiana, uh, a team that's 23 and 19, a lot better than we expected. We thought the Pacers would be tanking at this point. Atlanta, a team that we thought would be better, especially after adding DeJounte Murray in the offseason. They're sitting at 19 and 22, ninth in the conference, and the Bulls uh, have dealt with injuries and consistency. So, again, maybe Brooklyn has enough to stay in the top six, but might not be able to. Uh, Looking at another guy who's been a lightning rod since he arrived, didn't play at all last season. Um, starting to work his way back this year. Sixers fans, you're all too familiar with him. I don't think you have a lot of Philly love for him, but uh, Ben Simmons, looking at uh, what he's been able to do, um, you're looking at at him kind of gaining his his um, stamina back, gaining his game four back. He's only averaging seven and a half points, uh, shooting a respectable 58.2% from the field, although no three-point attempted at all. Uh, when you look at what he's bringing, where do you rank him, Chris? Like, do you look at a man and say, hey, He's delivered up to expectations, below expectations, or exceeded them. Where where do you put um, Ben Simmons since he's got there? I'd say it's a tale. It's a tale two halves, right? When Kevin's on the floor, he's doing exactly what the Nets need him to do, right? Mm-hmm. Get open shooters, push the break, facilitate the ball, ball movement, kind of play hard defense, be a switchable defender, someone that can guard one through five, if not the opposing team's best offensive player half the time. Zion, you know, you've you've seen it uh, kind of glimpses throughout this kind of uh, through the midway point of the season. But now that Kevin Durant is absent, now is the big point in the post game, right? Because when you looked at Ben Simmons uh, last night against the Celtics, that would be Thursday night, 
Um, he had a season high 13 assists. He, the ball movement was going great, but in the fourth quarter, it, he was just way too passive, right? Mm-hmm. He, there mm-hmm. was three drives that, you know, Sixers fans kind of emulate a little bit to this. There was drives where he, he, Literally was at the rim, had an open shot, and dumped it off to Nick Claxton down low. Tried to hit a shooter on the opposite corner on the weak side. Tried to shovel it off to someone that was cutting, right? And you see all those things. And there was an instance, I wouldn't call them booze, right? But I would call it, there was a that drop off to Nick Claxton when he didn't go up. There were a few fans that did boo in the arena out of the 18,000 sellout crowd, right? There was a yeah. few of them that did boo. I'm not going to be the guy that characterizes as booze. Because as you know, when you characterize booze, it would have to be a majority thing. But there were some fans that were very disgruntled with the fact that he that he did not look to score. So after the game, we all asked him, uh, kind of the mindset going into it, and you know, he took accountability for. It. He said, "Hey, like I was, I'm looking for my teammates too much. I know who I am. I know I need to score, and all that stuff." So he acknowledged the question is, is that going to come right? Because when you look at a guy like Ben. Um, he he plays in a lot of stretches, and Vaughn did a perfect job of highlighting this. Where it could be in the first six minutes of the game, Ben could Ben could score the first six or eight points for the Nets, right? Get to the paint, play with aggression, play to score. Then after that, it's a facilitating fest, or you know, then then he gets quiet offensively. It's outside of his facilitating. So the Nets need him to become a scoring threat because, especially with Kevin Durant not on the floor. That restricts the gravity for the shooters on the floor, right? Because yep. especially for opposing defenses, they know that Ben Simmons is going to look for the trailing, the trailing wing that's going to uh, either spot up on the corners, spot up on the wings, or do a backdoor cut, right? And that's the Boston Celtics completely, uh, obviously sniffed that out once the fourth started. So obviously the turnovers start coming. But, you know, as long as he can kind of maintain himself as a scoring threat, then obviously that would open up a little more gravity, a little more wiggle room for shooters like Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Yudawa Nabi, and Seth Curry to really get open shots instead of grabbing the ball and having to kind of create a little bit of a shot, right? Or then you'd have to reset the play with 14 seconds on the shot clock. So, you know, if like I said, like I said, you know, if he could establish himself as a scoring threat, I think it'll help out with Kevin Durant's absence. But, like, you know, to answer the question entirely, with Kevin Durant on the floor, he's doing exactly what the team wants him to do and exactly what the team needs him to do. Without Kevin Durant on the floor, he's got to establish himself at least as a scoring threat, a drive threat, someone that could score in the paint. Yeah, I I, we, I want to see that from, from Ben too, right? Like, I mean, we, we've seen him kind of, again, shy away from being a, a true scorer, but at least trying to be aggressive in, in those situations. And like you mentioned, you know, without KD there alongside them, uh, makes it a little bit difficult, right? With with yep. uh, not having obviously one of the best players in the NBA, uh, one of the best to do it of all time, uh, that's going to have an impact on him. But again, uh, this Nets team. I mean, you remember we were doing this uh, a little bit in the in the beginning of the season, Chris, like talking about the the Nets, and we're like, man, you know, it was a circus, right? What was going on under um, Steve Nash, and obviously yeah. you got Jacques Vaughn yeah. coming in, and, and so again, we knew they had the talent. The question is, where are they going to be able to put it together? And I think they, they've answered that with that run when they were fully healthy. Uh, over the past month or so switching gears to the Celtics Chris looking at this squad right now uh, got an impressive win like I mentioned against a shorthanded net squad on Thursday going to be without Jalen Brown uh, looks like for a week or two he's dealing with an abductor injury uh, but the Celtics man I mean got some good bench production uh, against Brooklyn last night like I said the NBA best 31 and 12 at this point uh, right where we expected this, the Celtics to be Boston's won five in a row now after struggling a little bit after that hot start when you look at this squad, and we, we're going to talk about this pretty much while every Friday from now until the playoffs start, Chris, is is this truly the team to beat? 
in the NBA, like you, you look around at, at, at what the, the lay of the land and, and you look at, at where odds makers have, have, you know, this, this team sitting at in terms of, uh, winning a championship, you got, you know, they're, they're the team, right? They're plus three ninety on, on, uh, on DraftKings. the, the bucks at the second best, the nets of the third, uh, best odds. And then you got golden state at, at number four. Um, does that right? Like, are, are the Celtics truly like the elite squad in the NBA to you at this point? Hundred percent. I think you could even agree on that. Like you know, I think I think they're the consensus team to beat across the whole league, right? Because with the mm-hmm. Boston Celtics, you see even last night what they did without Jalen Brown, right? The Nets still can't find their number, right? I think that's nine straight losses against the Celtics for the Nets. I think that might. I think that does include the postseason sweep. So you know that they're the team to beat because what the what the Celtics are doing is not just that they do an excellent job on their defensive coverage, just turning that in the offense, right? They do a great job of their sets offensively. You saw a lot of pick and pops. You saw a lot of just drag screens, dribble handoffs for Tatum. You know, they, they're they really, when you really analyze how the Boston Celtics play, it's not like they're, they're Mr. Fundamental like the Spurs, right? It's not like when the Spurs had their dynasty and everything was kind of fundamental. But they do a great job of being fun fundamental but also adding their own unique touch right and teams just can't solve that problem because when you look at the celtics you know that obviously their size and length is their main catalyst for all everything on both ends of the floor right they have Mm -hmm. they have a lot of length they have a lot of size they have a lot of guys that could stretch the floor they have a strong bench i could see i can't really see them they're not they're not like the nets they're not going to be a big team they're not going to be a team that really goes big in the in the at the trade deadline maybe at the buyout market they may wave a guy and cut and grab someone off uh, the waiver wire uh, when, once the buyout market begins but you know with the Celtics they are I think they're the consensus team to beat and right now like you know the, the thing that's scary too is like um with the Celtics when you especially look at a guy like Jason Tatum obviously he's having He's putting himself together. I, I wouldn't really call it. I would call it career year, but obviously we're only halfway through the year. But yeah, you know, I well, let's hear from you. I think they're the consensus P and B. Don't you think it? Uh, you know what? Like you're looking at the all the underlying numbers, Chris, and and obviously the record states that they are the best team in in the NBA. But you look at you look at the fact that um, what they have, they're number two in offensive rating, number two highest scoring team in the league. You look at the defensive rating, they're number six, uh, lead the league in, in net rating overall. Uh, outscoring opponents by 6.3 points per 100 possessions. All the metrics are there, right? And I'm not going to, and again, I this is no disrespect to um, the Celtics. I think they are a a, a, a phenomenal team. I don't know. I, I still feel, I love Tatum, and, and I honestly do. I, I think he's great. I, I love Jalen Brown. I love Robert Williams. Like I like a lot of things about that, that team, but I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of stuck in this thing where, yeah, they got to the finals last year and, and they beat, you know, th- three pretty damn good teams to do it. Obviously sweeping Brooklyn in, in round one, that was easy, but then they got um, a win over over the Bucks. They had to beat the Heat. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't easy for them to get there. I think they're susceptible to uh, some lulls. And I think if you're playing against a team like, I don't want to say Brooklyn, because as you mentioned, uh, the Celtics have dominated the, the Nets pretty easily or in recent history and in going back to the playoffs. But I think if you if a team like Milwaukee still has something to say about it. So, I mean, I have Boston at the top of my pecking order, whether or not that's going to be a uh, like, am I 100 percent sure? Like, you know, you're looking at uh, obviously going back to those dominant warrior squad. We're like, hey, th- those guys are going to win the championship. It's like Golden State and then everybody else. I don't really think it's like that, because I also think um, whoever comes out of the Western Conference is going to have to be damn good as well, whether it be. 
uh, Denver, Memphis, uh, New Orleans, a new team like that. Maybe the Warriors get their shit together and start climbing up the standing. So, I mean, again, I have Boston at the top, but it's not like I'm, I'm coming from this place of, oh, um, you know, they're uh, they're completely, uh, you know, the, the the class of the NBA. I like them. I think they're good. But yeah. again, at this point, I'm not like, wow, um, they're completely going to be 100% uh, the team to beat when you're when you're looking at at, at Boston though, and then the last one we'll talk about the Celtics here. Uh, of course, you're looking at, at this Boston squad, uh, 31 and 12, just over the the midway point. What would you set as a good over under for them for for wins at this point? Over under, I would go. Well, they're at 31 and 12 right now, midway through the season. Obviously, 50. 50 is kind of like you know, I would I'd say over under maybe 53. Okay. You know, I would, I would go 53, 52, you know, so I would say something like that. Like, I don't know what the sports books have them is right now. Because, like, you know, like, it's so – it's hard dictating the over-unders, like, in any sport because, obviously, one injury could derail the whole thing, especially when they're without Jalen Brown for at least, I think it's, like, two weeks. or It could stretch to three depending on what the success of the team is in that span. But, I don't know, like, you know, low, low 50s. I would go low 50s. I would say Brooklyn first. Brooklyn for sure is probably in the high 40s, low 50s in that number too. Obviously, that's a wide range for over-under for an end-of-the-season total, especially for contending teams in the East. But, yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Okay. All right, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's that's probably a good number. And I do think they're going to end up winning uh, or having the best record in the East when, when all is said and done. Uh, let's switch gears here before we jump into a break. Let's talk a little bit of Sixers. Obviously, the team yep. that I cover for SB Nation for us at, over at Liberty Ballers. Uh, Sixers have been okay, obviously dealing with Joel Embiid injury problems. And, you know, he's been hobbling a lot lately, although he's put up 33 points a game over the last couple, uh, outings, a disappointing loss for, for the Sixers on Thursday, they came up short against a lowly OKC squad losing 133 to 114. Uh, it's been interesting, Chris, because you're looking at this squad defensively before Tyrese Maxey came back and Jackson Frank, who, who writes for us at Liberty Ballers tweeted about this as well before Maxey came back the Sixers were like a top two, top three defense throughout, throughout the time. And now Maxi's been back and they're starting to slide down. Um, yeah. Again, I, I don't think anybody's expected Maxi to be this like Matisse Thybul type shutdown guy, but it's having an impact on their defensive chemistry because he did miss, you know, more than a month with his foot injury. I think guys were figuring out each other's tendencies, uh, especially given the fact that you have to fill, you know, roughly 30 minutes a night with uh, 35 minutes a night with, with Maxi being out. But I think that's going to take him some time to figure it out again, looking at the, at the bigger picture the Sixers are also 13 and three in their last 16 games. So they're starting to, to figure things out, pardon me, 13 and four, uh, over the last 17 games. So starting to figure things out, uh, when you're looking at this, at this Sixers squad, they've obviously climbed up the standing since the last time we, we did our pod here, uh, Chris sitting in fifth in the conference, five games behind Boston. Now, um, sitting two behind the nets for the second spot in the East. Where, where do you have them now when you're, when you're starting to see them get to full, uh, strength getting Harden back. Harden's been great, by the way. I think he's been he's been phenomenal uh, for for where he's at in his career and and what he's been able to do. Uh, when you look at when you look at this Philly squad again, are they about where where you expected them to be? And do you think they can reach another hit another gear that'll take them up the standings even more? Well, I think they're right exactly where I expect them to be. I'm very intrigued what they what they do at the NBA trade trade deadline. Right? I don't think they stay the same as they are right now. Right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's very interesting to say because when you look at their roster, it's it's a roster that's very appealing to Harden's skill set and what they could surround Joel Embiid with. Tons of shooters, obviously Tyrese Maxey. You look at guys off the bench like obviously like Shake Milton, George George Niang, George Niang. Obviously, uh, I haven't I haven't watched too much of Paul Reed's game, 
Matisse Thibault, may obviously is a name to watch out for. Everyone knows that. You know, he's, his name's been lingering trade talks for a couple of years now. But, you know, when you really evaluate the Sixers, obviously they're a team that no one really wants to play in the playoffs. You know what I mean? They're not that one team that – they're not a team that anyone really wants to play in the first round, second round, East Conference Finals, and, you know, et cetera, right? Because they do pose a threat. At the same time, you know, when you really look at it, do you characterize them as a contender in the East? For sure. You know, you can characterize them as a contender, but are they a real contender in the East? I'm not too – I'm not totally confident in that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's – I, I don't, it's the halfway point. I don't want to be the guys like, oh, I got to see more, but I kind of do got to see more. And I'm very intrigued what this team's going to end up doing at the deadline. I'm very intrigued. Yeah, I'm with you. And then they're going to look at guys like, you know, and, and maybe a guy like Amir Coffey's if he's available and, and, and the Clippers continue to struggle, but they need some more wing depth, right? And that was something, I think they did a great job of addressing that, bringing in guys like Melton, although Daniel House has, has not been nearly as good as, um, as hope yeah you know as hope but i mean you're getting again now you're starting to get some minutes from matisse where he's uh again not going to be an offensive you know juggernaut by any means but uh he's giving you some quality minutes there so you're able to kind of um you know trust him a little bit more at this point and again looking at the odds for for vegas odds makers like you know they're they like the sixers are they one of the you know favorites according to the odds no they have the they have the ninth best odds uh according to vegas so i'm with you i think Clearly, Joel Embiid is is friggin' amazing and awesome and uh, deserves it. Once again, will damn well be in the in the uh, MVP conversation come time for the end of the year. But I, I think there the doc thing is always going to linger, where you don't know when this team's going to have a letdown. And and sometimes, I mean, obviously for, for us, you know, when you're when you're watching games on TV, it's a lot different when you're there in person. But when you're looking at the game on TV, you're like, sometimes it's like, okay, is it a matter of execution? Is it a matter of game planning? I think that has kind of always lingered over the Sixers, given given that where they're at with with, uh, with Doc kind of calling the shot. So uh, I'm with you, even though the Sixers are 41 games in, they're right at the midway point on pace to win 50 games. And like I mentioned, you know, you look at you look at some of the uh, underlying numbers for for the Sixers squad, ranked number four in the NBA in net rating, ranked number four. In defensive rating, they're a top ten team and number eight in offensive rating. Uh, doing great against uh, opposition when they're, when they're shooting uh, three pointers. So again, a lot of the underlying numbers not too bad for the Sixers. But at the same time, I'm with you. It's like, have they shown enough to be like, hey? And again, we we both agree on this that Boston is the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. But then you kind of have that second tier now where the Nets have played themselves into that conversation. Obviously, Milwaukee's there. But from a Philly standpoint, you want to see a little bit more before you confidently say the Sixers are right up there, if you know what I mean. Yep, 100%. Can't, can't agree with you more there. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's that's going to kind of be um, the key for, for this team is consistency. You got Harden leading the league in assists. He's doing exactly what, what he needs to do. Uh, been pretty efficient offensively as well. He's averaging 21.8 points, obviously well below um, what we're used to seeing from Harden from his heyday. Uh, but still, I mean, a, a top 25 guy, a top 20 at least, you know, should be on the all-star team again uh, this season. So uh, again, going to have to give this team a couple of weeks. Let's see if they can get on a run. Uh, one thing we have noticed though with the Sixers, they do play down to their level of competition. We've seen them lose some games that they should have won, which are going to cost them in the standings. Uh, looking at back at, the, you know, these last games that they have lost, the last four out of their last 17, I mean, you lost at Washington. Again, no excuse to losing that game when Embiid goes off for 48 and 10. Uh, they lost to the Pelicans. Okay, you can give them a break there. Pelicans are, are playing pretty well, but then came up short against Chicago. That was without 
Joel Embiid in lineup, although friggin' Zach Levine went off <laughs> in that game, and then against OKC. So now the Sixers are coming up on this on this West Coast road trip. They got Utah on Saturday. They got the Lakers, the Clippers, Portland, and then Sacramento, which used to be an easy, you know, looking at that as a win, going to be a tough one next Saturday because the Kings are, are playing well before they take on uh, the Nets again on Wednesday, the 25th at home against Brooklyn. So again, we're going to keep an eye on, on what happens with this team, I think, over the next over the next maybe month until we hit the All-Star break. And then we're going to start to get a clear picture of where the Sixers stand in the NBA landscape. Uh, Chris, let's take a break here. I want to jump into the couple of other teams, obviously the other New York squad and the Knicks. We'll talk a little bit of Raptors as well. We'll do that coming up here in about a minute. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we are back. So, Chris, my man, you live out there in the New York area. Uh, obviously, like I mentioned off the top, do a great job covering the Nets, but... Still always going to be a Knicks city, a Knicks area. You know what I mean? They are the 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 team there. And uh, given the fact of all the history, uh, you know, people want to see the Knicks be good. And I always say this and I'll, I'll say it again, even coming from a Philly standpoint, you the NBA is better when the Knicks are relevant, right? When the gardens popping, people want to be in there uh, playing pretty damn good so far. Looking at, the, at this team right now, uh, right about, I, I would say, where I expected them to be in terms of um towing the play-in playoff line they're sitting at the six seed right now if the playoff started today although they are tied with the pacers at 23 and 19 the knicks would get in as the six seed you're looking at this squad julius randall playing amazing should be in line to, to make the all-star team 24.1 points uh been very good there, averaging a double double 10.3 rebounds uh you got jalen brunson the 100 million dollar man coming in he's at 21.9 rj barrett 19.9 i really like emmanuel quickly as well uh he's been doing a good job when you look at at this squad chris and, and we talked about this a little bit before we started rolling that the deadline's coming up in about a month here uh this Knicks team i believe has four first round picks right over the next year or, or next two years or whatever it yeah, is they got and, all the bunch of contingencies that go with it for yeah the Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not necessarily going to be maybe a top five pick, but I mean, they have assets there that they can make a move. And we are probably over the next couple of weeks going to start get some more indications as to who's going to be available, who isn't. Uh, maybe there's some disgruntled star on a on a bad team that's looking for a way out. Somebody like Bradley Beal um, looking around like, I mean, the Pistons with with Bogdanovich, they're, they're, they're going to hold out and try and get whatever they can for him. But, you know, looking at the other teams that are sitting towards the bottom of the standings, unless you're the Lakers, where you got, where you got LeBron, Anthony Davis, uh, nobody really. And, and the Raptors, another team to look out for with Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet. But uh, 
what okay let me let me start with this chris because you know a lot about the knicks as well yes first off as constructed let's say they don't make a move are they going to be a playoff team not a play-in team do you think they have enough to hang on to that six spot i think they'll be a play-in i don't think they'll be a playoff don't get me wrong they prove me wrong but it's it's like right on the border but they're they're thinking towards the kind of the uh the play-in they're thinking towards the plan okay okay and you you think that that's that's kind of going to be the the cutoff for for the squad yeah, I'd say it's the cutoff, you know, because when you really look at their their squad, like Julius Randle's doing what he, he he's doing, right? You're like he's doing, he's meeting expectations. I would give him like an A for what he's doing. I think he's mm-hmm. one of three guys that are averaging twenty and ten on the year. Then you kind of go down the roster, what they're going to do with obviously Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's doing obviously when you see the contract and everything and the demand that he's obviously Knicks fans hope that he could be the savior or whatever the case is. But you know, it's kind of very similar to I don't want to call it the D'Angelo Russell, what he did with the Nets, that type of effect, but he's having that effect, you know, because he is yeah. producing. He's becoming a fan favorite. Now to give him also an A, you know what I mean? He's given the offense a ton of structure. He's having the bet really the best season as a from a Knicks point guard since I like you got to go back to Stefan Marbury. Like I get it's like 40 games into the year, 41 games in the year. But when but since Stefan Marbury named me a point guard that's been ha- having the type of year that Jalen Brunson's having. So, you know, like at that, at the, from the value that he did at the the, the $104 million investment, mm-hmm. you know, like he's doing what he, he's supposed to be doing in the garden. He's made, he's could try to make it a little attractive. Then you look at guys, obviously RJ Barrett's kind of like, you know, not meet not meeting expectations, not, not being lower than expectations, kind of in that middle ground, you know, I would give him kind of in the low B range, you know, stuff like that. And obviously Quentin Grimes has been kind of a success story down there, becoming a fan favorite diamond in the rough type player, you know, what this team does with Cam Reddish, you know, and same thing with Emmanuel quickly. If you package those two up, you could probably get someone mid tier. Yeah. I don't want to be the, like, don't get me wrong. I watch a little bit of the next same thing with Fournier, right? You don't know Fournier. He's been obviously benched recently. He's hey, then, you know, his, his role continues to get smaller and everything. I don't want, like, it's going to take a lot. And I know the Hawks are looting, looking for a shooting big man in return for John Collins, but if I'm the Knicks, I would, I would, I would ring, Atlanta Hawks phone and see what they want for John Collins. I yeah. think that I think that it would be a good fit for John Collins because I think it's a mutual good fit. Because with John Collins, the Hawks don't use him as a small ball five, right? They don't use him as a small ball five, so that allows Mitchell Robinson to maintain his role with the Knicks at the four spot. Like I mentioned before, you know that's Julius Randle, and like you know he gets to tinker around with the wing or whatever the case is. But I think John Collins would give this team a little more of a dimension. I know everyone's going to be like, well, he could give you the same thing that Julius Randle's giving you right now. It doesn't, it's not a clear cut fit. At the same time, though, you could, you could either play the game two ways. You could do the have John Collins come in, weigh it out, build his trade stock, then flip him. You got to obviously, I don't know what his contract situation is like. I think, is he an, an expiring? He's on, no, he's not an expiring deal. He's Who's that Collins? Yeah, Collins. He's not an expiring. No, no, I think they, they re signed him. Um, pretty recently right wasn't it wasn't the, the deal so. for for uh for yeah he signed a five-year extension uh for 125 oh, they did. You're right yeah 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 because yeah. i don't uh, not, you know with the nets i don't think they, they, they i don't think the fits there but that's a story for another day but you know like they do need the upgrade the knicks are kind of in, they're like the raptors who we're going to talk about next they're stuck you know what i mean like unless they kind of find a disgruntled superstar and i know there's been rumblings between like from some knicks fans saying well, Trey Young, monitor Trey Young. You know, the story's already there. You know, you could pair him next to Jalen Brunson. You know, all that. 
I get that, but what's the likelihood that's going to happen? I doubt the Hawks are going to they're going to completely sell like that and just completely go into a whole rebuild that's going to cost them three, four years. Yeah, but you know they're just stuck. You know if they could get a guy that's you know maybe you know has potential and you know uh, whatever the case. But overall, like you know they're they're in a solid state where they are in their rebuild. I, I would say think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, and they got and, and like you mentioned, you know, we're talking about we're talking about looking at at the fact that you know this squad has cap room. They got uh, they can make some makes again not a, not a plethora of it, but they're going to be they can, you know, kind of look at, at at getting some wiggle room there and and making some moves. And as I mentioned, you look at you look at these draft picks. They got four first rounders in twenty twenty three. Again, bunch of conditions on those top ten, top fourteen, top eighteen protected. Uh, looking at next year, they got their own first round pick and a bunch of second rounders. And so they they have they're going to have they got the 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 Bucks um 2025 first rounder that's top four protected so again uh, who knows what where Brooklyn's going to be in a couple of years they do have the assets to make a move uh, but I, I'm with you you know what I mean look Randall's nice you mentioned that I think Mitchell Robinson you look at the underlying numbers for him um, he's been great in terms of when when the Knicks are have him on the court uh, they're 12.9 points per, better per 100 possessions. But they need that the guy, you know what I mean, and I, I think He's that number one option for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and then you got you got uh, Randall, you got you got Brunson, uh, Barrett. You know, those are those are that's a nice two, three, four, or three, four, five. You know what I mean in terms of if you're looking at at, at having a rounded out roster with players who bring different um, different skill sets and obviously being high level players. But if you're able to bring in another guy, that they, they gotta go for it at this point because uh, again, the NBA to me. Although we, we, as we talked about before the break, there you got you got Boston, you got Brooklyn, you got Milwaukee. Obviously, the Cavs are playing great with with Donovan Mitchell there now. Uh, the Sixers, another squad that's going to have something to say come time for for the postseason. And then the West, you know, completely wide open at this point. If you're the Knicks, again, depending on who you can bring in, what you're giving up, I, I do think okay, maybe not this season, but next year, like in the off season coming up in the summertime, make a deal that brings in the guy, whoever's available, and whatever you can get. Obviously, you don't want to overpay. They don't have anybody coming up in the system that is, you know, has the potential to be a, a number one type superstar. But I think if they're able to get that, keep most of the, the pieces that they have already there, I think the Knicks definitely can 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 be a contender. Um, again, not this season, maybe, but next year or the year after that. But again, it, it's going to depend on and with the landscape in the NBA being as it is in terms of having like. 15 teams who have you know championship aspirations and then yep. you have these bottom teams and like i mentioned the detroits the charlottes the san antonios the houstons they have good young players they're not giving them up you know what i mean at this point where they're at as as franchises and as organizations but you're gonna have to look around and say okay either a like i said disgruntled superstar on a bad team bradley beal totally fits that mold uh, looking around, even at the at a team like the Timberwolves, who are under underperforming. So again, they're going to have to look at something like that, where another another squad is going to be like, let's blow this up and and you know let's uh, let's try and rebuild here and get what we can get. And I think that's where you're looking at maybe a uh, Carl Anthony Towns uh, down the line, a year down the line, where they look yeah. at it and say, shit, this isn't working. We gotta we gotta get rid of this guy. Or maybe something happens in Phoenix, right, where uh, the Suns obviously had that hot start now playing without Devin Booker. Uh, things not looking good for Phoenix in, in terms of. Um, where this team was, right? Because you you look at the fact that they obviously made the finals in 21, uh, came up short in 22 in 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 terms of losing to to Dallas in in Game Seven there uh, in the second round. But you you look at where this team was 
at the end of November at 15 and six. And now you look at the fact that since then they're six and 16. So it's like, you know, that might be a team that looks like, Hey, let's get rid of, uh, let's get rid of uh, Devin Booker and, and try and get a, a King's ransom for him. So again, I, I think that's where I'm at with the Knicks. It's like kind of wait and see if you can get into the playoffs, you know, get that extra uh, postseason revenue coming in for James Dolan, the, the shittiest owner in the NBA. But uh, I think they'll be in a good spot. Um, let's jump, jump ship over to the final team in the Atlantic, Chris, the only team that's not in a playoff position or, or play in position at this point. And honestly, to me, playing below expectations, the Toronto Raptors uh, tied for, for the 10th and final spot, sitting at 19 and 23, uh, have won three in a row. We talked about this before, and I think we're going to probably say a lot of the same when it comes to the Raptors. What do you do right now? You're Masai Ujiri. Obviously, he gets credit for being one of the best uh, executives in the league, Chris. What do you do if you're him? The the deadline's coming up uh, in a month. You have Pascal Siakam. You got Fred Van Vliet. Um, obviously, you got the reigning rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes, who maybe hasn't developed the way people wanted to see in season two, but again, still a, a valuable young asset there. What do you do if you're if you're uh, Masai Ujiri at this point? I'm thinking right now, you know, it's funny that we just talked about the Knicks. I'm thinking that if the Knicks, Knicks shouldn't climb an OG and an OB. I don't know what they rank in the in the sports books, you know, with, with you know, the free, the, the trade market uh, kind of um, over-unders and all that stuff. But OG and OB could be attractive. I think he's definitely a piece that the Raptors should think about moving, seeing the value that they could do. Raptors, you know, like like I said before, they're kind of, they're not the Knicks because obviously they have more players that could kind of support a star right like mm-hmm. Kawhi era you know that those type of that's that type of team you know if you add a number one star or superstar to that team that could become a realistic you know championship contender now i'm not going to say oh like you know like the knicks bucks celtics i mean uh not Knicks, celtics bucks and uh and, uh the nets right but yeah you know you could you look at the raptors and i think that Obviously, they're stuck too. You know, obviously, you know who's untouchable on that roster. Obviously, no bigger name than Scotty Barnes. Obviously, what they do with Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam is probably the most underrated, appreciate underappreciated superstar or star in the league based on the numbers. So, uh, you know, you got to generate there. You got to see where Masai comes from because obviously, for a lot of contenders, contenders are obviously going to weigh out this market and see as a seller's market, considering how strong the draft is coming up in June, and with. Masai, I think that he he does have the pieces to make a deal, you know. So I, I could see the Raptors going both ways. If they do become sellers, I don't think they're going to be huge sellers. I think maybe you could kind of shut off a guy like Fred Van Vliet. Obviously, OG and Obi on name before. Then you kind of go other down. Like, I think those are your main two guys that you'd probably want to ship out. But outside of that, you know, I don't think um, they'll go beyond selling, like a, become a real bona fide seller and kind of restart a rebuild or put themselves back a couple steps in a rebuild. But I, I wouldn't rule them out as um, kind of – I would put them obviously as a team to watch at this deadline. How about you? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think they're going to – I don't think that they're going to make a charge again. Might sneak in as a number 10 seed, but I don't think they're going to climb up the standings as currently constructed. But, yeah, they got they got some pieces, man, that they that they can look at, at moving. You mentioned OG and Anobi. You got, look at a guy like Gary Trent Jr. too, right, struggling a little bit. Uh, yeah. there he's, he's a minus point differential in, in terms of net rating on, on, on that squad, uh, precious Achua, uh, not giving him what, what we thought he would be able to give him an auto Porter, uh, in the short amount of time he has played there was, was a disaster too. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it so things haven't worked out for the Raptors, which again, the running joke is on NBA Twitter. You got to just a bunch of six, nine dudes and just go out and play some, uh, play some rap ball. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I do think, I, I do think it's interesting that we're kind of stuck in this. 
uh, position with the squad that, that again, you have the assets and you feel like you have the executive team in place and, and Nick Nurse, um, some people think he's overrated. A lot of people look at him as, as one of the best coaches in the league. And so um, you look at, at at where this squad is at and obviously winning that 2019 championship uh, bought a whole lot of good faith. You know what I mean? For, for that team. So um, looking at a, at a different thing, I think Scotty Barnes at this point, uh, we laughed at in the offseason where the rumor was that the the Raptors wouldn't be willing to part with Scotty Barnes and a Kevin Durant trade, which is, I don't want to swear, but friggin' stupid. You know what I mean? If anybody did think that, but again, you you have you have a piece there. Uh, they got some picks. So again, I, I'm interested to see. I, I'm with you though. I think the one team to watch in terms of like we were mentioning there, that the team that maybe doesn't have the is is at the level that it wanted to be and is at a position that it could blow it up i think the raptors and and maybe the timberwolves are the two to watch as, as we get into playoff time i agree with that i agree with that 100 yeah um all right chris you know what let's wrap things up there uh it's good to finally get back and do our atlantic division mixtape show again we'll be doing this consistently now on this one yeah yeah no we'll, we'll we'll get this going every friday and like you said we're going to yep. the second half of the season we know that uh, people are going to start getting a little bit more interested uh people want to start you know figuring out what the hell is going on with these teams so uh we'll definitely keep you updated here chris as always thanks for joining me man love the work that you do uh, for us at Likewise, next daily brother. and at si and uh looking forward to talking to you again next friday Looking forward as well. We got a couple interesting weeks coming up. Well, who's getting moved? Who's staying? You know, and yeah, it's yeah. gonna be fun, man. Let, let, let this let the circus begin. All right, you can follow uh, you can follow Chris on uh, Twitter as well at C Milholland. That's M I L H O L E N S B. Uh, check me out at Jazz Kang Twenty One. That's J A S K A N G Twenty One. Uh, like I mentioned, subscribe to our SB Nation podcast network. You can subscribe to Liberty Ballers. You can subscribe to Celtics Blog. We're gonna have you covered uh, throughout that as well. And of course, check out all our sites. That's daily Celtics Blog. Uh, Liberty Ballers, basically every single site that we have in the Atlantic uh, does a great job. So we'll have you covered for all the teams there. And like I mentioned, Chris and I will be back next week uh, to do another episode for you. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.